Nerds International proudly presents Coming at you live from a whaling colony on the moon, it's me, Nick Lambslice. Me, James Pumpkin. And me, Harrison Hunt, aka Scary Bertha. And we are the Tabletop Twats. If, for those that don't know, this is an RPG show all about tabletop RPGs. And today we got a jam-packed motherfucker of a show for you. And we've got a special guest here today. We've got none other than Sean Hunt. Say hello, Sean. Yo, what's up? How's it going, man? Yeah, not bad. Not bad, you know, just recovering from my post-apocalyptic sort of missions, you know? Oh, right, okay. What what sort of missions? <laughs> what? Um, well, the ones that you guys were on. Okay, well, we'll get into that. Um, just <laughs> a bit of a weird thing to say, really. Went down the road, got some radioactive milk, you know? Got off to a good start. Awkward start there. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, so we've got Sean on today because we've got a banger of a show for you today. We've got feedback side. We've got What You've Been Slaying, where we're going to discuss our recent Fallout game. And we've got the main subject, where we're going to be tackling the... Often asked question, do post-apocalyptic RPG games suck? And then we got Song Fight, and we got a new segment, the Emporium Galorium Bazaar, followed by Electro Letters. Is it going to be a good show, guys? Oh boy, yes it is. Yeah. Well, as long as there's an outro. Yeah, I hope so. Okay, there will so. be then. Yeah. If, there's, if there's no outro, then what's the it's point? It's nothing. <laughs> exactly. So let's get on with the feedback in the feedback side. Woo. The feedback side. The feedback side. The feedback side. So first bit of feedback comes in from a guy called Jay Rodman, and he says, Maybe I missed the joke, but it was somewhat awkward hearing you describe Japan as a collectivist culture because they like collecting stuff. The word very much means something else. Now, he is correct. I got that wrong. See, what collectivist means, it means focusing on a group rather than an individual. Um, see, I once heard somebody use it in that context and then just never researched it and just kept <laughs> saying it like that anyway. So, uh, yeah, he's right. Uh, I'm absolutely wrong about that. So thank you for correcting me. You, you yeah, but if, we, if, if we're not nothing, it's we're not unprofessional. Come exactly. on. So, yeah, exactly. Um, and then he finishes that uh, little uh, feedback with, that aside, this was a lot of fun to listed to. Thanks. <laughs> Good. So, uh, <laughs> Glad you listed it somewhere. Welcome aboard, Jay Rodman. And then Richard Walcott comes in. He says, my son just walked up while I was listening to the podcast, pointed to the Tabletop Twats logo on the screen and said, one... Two, three poo-poos as he counted your portraits. <laughs> um, he's the best son. He's not wrong. I don't think you <clears throat> should get rid of him, actually. <laughs> um, I'm saying it like we had a conversation beforehand about potentially getting rid of him. He'll go far, that boy. <laughs> <laughs> I like him. He already knows what's up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He can stay. And then uh, James Bonnert comes in. He says, really appreciated hearing the little cameo as a horrifying cannibal. The continuing adventures in Ravenloft are sounding better and better. Keep it up. Oh, yes. So we've been doing our Ravenloft uh, DCC actual play. In, uh, it's called Ravenlord. Check that out if you get the chance. And uh, if you're a patron, you get to become a character in the show, as James Bonnert did, as he very much mentions just there. So, uh, yeah, cheers, guys, for the feedback. Don't you ever correct me again. <laughs> don't, don't you ever. All right. Ever. Well, you could correct me, but just not Harrison. No, not me, because I take it very personally. <laughs> you, could, you, could, you could correct me, but then I'll just, you know, find you, kill you, you know. 
<laughs> you can correct me, but I'm never wrong, so there's no Ooh. point. Oh, hey. It's not worth it. Oh. Ain't worth it, mate. If you want to fight, correct Sean. Sean Dwyer. There you go. <laughs> All right, so uh, shall we get on to what we've been playing and what we've been slaying? Let's do I it. I think so. Oi! <laughs> 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 Yeah. What you slaying? All right. So first up, guys, let's talk a little bit about Savage Fallout. The thing about it is, is that um, we're going to be talking about this quite a lot in the main subject. So uh, let's keep it brief, shall I'm we? A good brief. Uh, campaign over. Yeah. Don't campaign pants, over, mate. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, very funny. But anyway, yeah, the campaign ended. Um, essentially, what happened was, is we we. A bunch of us, uh, you know, wastelanders had had settled down in this town called Cool Hand Ranch, and we'd become the sheriffs. Now, what do we mean by sheriffs? Sheriffs, yeah. <laughs> plural. plural. Yeah. Multiple sheriffs. <laughs> now, w- what it happened was is that the um, the town was sheriffless, and we proved ourselves. All became the sheriffs, and wanted five sheriffs to be in the town, so we did that. And while we were sheriffs, we decided that we, we came up with this plan to make the town like the best town ever and we were going to um, open a casino. Now, as part of this, we were also wanted to become one of our players to become the mayor, right? And during our mayoral campaign, one of our sort of um, campaign goals was to open this uh, arena called Last Stand. It was like a laser type laser game mm-hmm. in, in the town. But it turns out there were death claws in the arena. <laughs> And so our plan was to send these guys, these mercenaries called the Red Wings, in there, close them in with the death claws, lock it, and sell tickets to the event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thus gaining um, favour of the town and getting rid of the the Red Wings because you know they were sort of pumping in and and basically yeah waving just... their dicks around saying that they were the law when yeah. we were the law. And but, so, it, but they were the law. They were the police, though. No, they weren't. No, we, we, were the were. we were, we the, were sheriffs. the sheriffs. Yeah, you're the sheriffs. Oh, this is gang, gang up on Sean Day. So a hierarchy. So know? Sean was the DM of this campaign, and he's trying to yeah. So his his characters roll in, <laughs> tell us that it's martial law and that they're the law when we're the fucking sheriffs. Yeah, man. Mm. Well, you're in my jurisdiction. We, we, had, we had an in-game argument about uh, jurisdiction, and then Sean <laughs> even at one point. Um, had had agreed that this was in our the sheriff's jurisdiction, but then but then it still carried on. I was like, "What? I'm so confused." So our plan was this: we said to the Red Wings, "We said, okay, here's what's going to happen." We're going to knock you the fuck out, and then we're going to sling you in there with a death clause. <laughs> yeah. And then we, the, it turns out these guys were immensely powerful. And what happened? Yeah, they were strong as like, they were like elite protection, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. If you've ever played Oblivion, it's like trying to fight the guards in Oblivion, almost hopeless. It ain't happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and so what happened was is that we, I pumped the main guard full of jet, and he went absolutely <laughs> psycho. Oh, he, right, he started fun. he started biting people left, right, and center. I was playing Ryan's character at this point because he wasn't there. But um, anyway, then we knocked one of them out. But the other guy was an absolute crack shot with a sniper rifle oh, from the hip because no we scoping, were fighting yeah. inside. He was yep, doing yep. 360 no-scope <laughs> Call of Duty all over the fucking place. Yeah, it was like three-by-three three room, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he just... Room. He just around the barret. Yeah, <laughs> it was like three D10s each time. Oh. Like, that was raw damage. Yeah, and he was fucking... He, he had the penalty, but he was still crack-shotting us oh, 360 no-scope all over the place. And we, we uh, he, he took us all out. And the funniest thing was is that he took James's character out, right? <laughs> and then we were all dead. But James's character rolled all these miracle rolls on his vigour. Came back yeah, on to, the capacitation table yeah, as well. Exactly. Oh so God, he, yeah. he sort of came to, right? He was all battered, all shot up. And he, he came to in this room. They'd all left thinking he was a corpse. And he goes, right, got to get out of here. And <laughs> our he just, last hope. <laughs> our last dying hope. Yeah. 
and he jumps out the window. Yes. Falls to his death and breaks uh, yeah, his neck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, that is the epitome of a crit failure. That is just oh, fucking marvellous. And so the one remaining character who happened to not be there was my character, Goldtooth Kenny, mm. who then... Well, he's a psychopath anyway, isn't he? Exactly. And he looks around the town... Um, I rolled a couple of notice rolls. Couldn't find any of the previous <laughs> characters' as corpse. He he, he he basically thought, well, these guys have abandoned me then, and went, okay, well, fuck this, and left the town. Yeah. And that was it. End, that was of, the end. end of yeah. campaign. Oh, man. It was so good, though. So, Sean, I've got one question. Who do you think you are? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you see me, really. I like games, you know, and difficulty and challenges. Right. <laughs> so Ooh. is this why, Sean, you never gave us a... Any experience? B. Any bennies? Well, actually, I've got, got a good I'll point. Get, I gave you some point. experience, and I also gave you bennies. Well, I was going to give you some experience for doing all this crap that you did last game. <laughs> but we went and died, didn't we? But, but you died, so you can get oh, the great. experience. You lose. Yeah. So what? We were just about to level up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you oh were. Eighteen God. levels here. Yeah. Because we, I, I realised like during that fight that we were well, like woefully underleveled, like Ooh. woefully. Yeah. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the sad fact about all of this as well is that um, yeah, during that fight we needed bennies. We really, really needed them, but we just ran out before the fight, yeah. and there was no reason for us to be awarded them during the fight because we weren't doing anything particularly good. And yeah, we know, spoke about this the other day, didn't we? And it was just like was, there was no reason, literally, during the main point of when we needed it to get them. Was, for those that don't know, bennies like basically reroll tokens. I yeah. always thought, though, that you, you guys were pretty good with telling me when to give you bennies. I sort of trusted you where, in that sort of way. Sometimes I give you them for, for your, like, good thinking and shit like that. But sometimes it would, yeah, you'd be like, well, this guy deserves a benny. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah. But it didn't, it, honestly, it didn't come up during that game. And, yeah, and that the, was it. Yeah. What, about when, what about when Sean got a card that meant, meant that he got a benny and he was just like, cheers. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that was so so not. He Sean, was so Sean cocky. Put, Sean put um put someone in charge of dealing the cards during combat out, oh. right? And then that happened to me, me this time. And then as I was handing them out, Sean got the Joker. Therefore, he got awarded <laughs> Benny. And then right, properly, properly under his breath, I was the only one that heard it, but I brought it to the attention of everyone else. He just went, cheers. <laughs> Yeah, he was, yeah. He was so fun. happy, oh, and then he okay. spent bennies for his characters because he still had all of his. And he, we were just, oh mate, it was yeah. savage. And his dice were unreal. Like every time he was like, he was like, oh, you know, tell it to me straight, Sean. What are we, what are we talking? What are we talking damage wise? And he's like, twenty seven. Yeah, like, then what? we could just hear behind behind his screen. We could just hear roll, <laughs> roll, 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 and the faces. Sean does not have a poker face. It doesn't exist. <laughs> Did so you, if something's going down, like you can just see it a mile off. I was supposed to wear my my uh, my Vault Boy mask, but I never did. Nah. Oh yeah, that was it. That was that was my poker mask. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That would have been a bit unsettling, I reckon, if you just wore that mask the whole time. Yeah, that would have been great. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so that's it, really. I mean, yeah. we'll talk a bit more about Fallout during the main subject, but but it does lead us to the same conclusion that we've mentioned several times on the podcast: Killer DM. Um, <laughs> yeah, Sean, you've run two full campaigns for this group now, and both of them we've died prematurely. I mean, the last one was Call of Cthulhu, and we literally got to it wasn't even like the last boss, but it was like a sub boss, and he went, I've been expecting you, and then chucked a grenade at us, and we all died. <laughs> That's so good. It's yeah. like he should have turned around stroking a cat, but he was stroking a grenade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just holding a grenade. Now, motherfuckers. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> So lighten up, Sean. 
Ah. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember yeah. that time as well where we were just like cruising through the woods just like in a sort of uh, it was like a rural American town and then Sean was like you get attacked by ravens and two of our characters oh died oh my gosh yeah, yeah. yeah it was one of your characters wasn't it James he died yeah that's yeah. one for, actually to be yeah. fair that's one because often Sean's previous campaigns like he's, he's a big animal like a lo- lover like me and uh, you have to be careful of the animals in these games luckily not too many in Fallout because normally if any kind of animal comes your way you're in trouble yeah. I feel like I always give give good lessons so I always give a good warning <laughs> as to, as, well, be careful sure of wildlife you go in there? <laughs> be careful of any NPC that props up ever in Sean's game warning don't play my game yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no right no what no I forgot what I was going to say um, no I feel like I always give good warnings like when you guys went down the metro in Fallout yeah and you're oh, like, yeah. That was true. like allow that like you knew you don't want to give it away to fuck with that at that level yeah, yeah but yeah. see we had such an idea in our head and then we were like in too deep as well we knew right, mm. we got to run away but it's like now we can't because we're just going to be put in prison and we needed Nana Moonshine to become the mayor so we had to see the plan through yeah, that was it. We got we got too invested in the idea of her becoming mayor, and then and, and then and that's why we fought those yeah. guards, and yeah. that's why we got no scoped. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But all that aside, unceremonious ending, whatever. Still one of the greatest campaigns we've it ever played. Fucking, it's oh. so good. Mm-hmm. I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. But, um, let's let's move on because we we got a, a couple of RPG gets recently. Ooh, so Nick, um, yeah. uh, Mutant Crawl Classics. Now, oh, yeah. we, we, we're big proponents of uh, DCC on this podcast, which is Dungeon Crawl Classics. It's one of our favourite, uh, well, probably our favourite D20 game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fantasy game from Goodman Games. It's absolutely spectacular. Uh, rules like amazing game, and it is awesome, but they released their, their sort of version of Gamma World, which is uh, Mutant Crawl Classics. And this is amazing. And now, Nick and I both got this. Yep. So, Nick, get your book out. Your we, book let's out, have a look boy. at this. Get your book out for the... Jesus, this hefty motherfucker. Well, it's a Goodman Games book, isn't it? Of course it will. Well, yeah, because this is the Beast Theory, the Player's Handbook, the DM Guide, and sort of a world book all in one. Mm-hmm. So th- this is why this book is so amazing. It's got art by Doug Kovacs in there, who's probably one of the best RPG artists in the industry at the moment. Yeah, it's got a full-color map in there. Mm-hmm. It's got everything you need to play the game, and this is absolutely amazing. So in this game, you can play as a, a pure strain human, a mutant, a plantient, which is a sentient plant, and <laughs> animal which is like a a sort of uh, bipedal uh, animal type creature and you gain uh, mutations and all of these uh, mutations can be either mind based or physical based and they work either like spells or like mutations how you'd expect them to work so you can have wings a big arm uh, (laughs) gigantic eye or whatever things like this and yeah they work like spells in a fantasy game or like mutations and you also have things like uh, artifacts and these artifacts are like ancient technology and you need to roll to see if you can actually use them and things like this it is a a very very cool looking game I haven't yet played it but it looks absolutely amazing this book is sexy if you like DCC I think it's safe to say you will like this and one of the cool things about this it's compatible with DCC Mm -hmm. and it does say that if you want to play characters from a medieval world that go through a portal and end up in this or vice versa you can do it that sounds like a stupid idea but it's a great idea do that I I love the colour of this book as well it's awesome it's right on my street it's just so vivid Lots of pinks and bright greens. Reminds me yellows. of the 90s. Like the colouring scheme is like 90s sort of colouring scheme. It's so I nice. think that's intentional. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's it's a spectacular book. Um, it really is, yeah. In addition to this, I got a game called uh, Gnome Murdered. 
Now, this is by a, uh, a well, what I found out to be a very controversial figure called uh, Casimir Urbanski, I think his name is. And I, I know that's his name, but I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, AKA the RPG Pundit. Now, uh, regardless of what you think of his views, this book looks incredibly cool, right? So I was reading the rules, and this is a game all of, you play people that are trying to accomplish things, but they're being hunted by gnomes. And that the sounds gnomes, awesome. Yeah, the gnomes are murderous, right? <laughs> now, when you read, when you open up the book, it says the rules. Okay, for anything that you want to accomplish, uh, roll a d6. One to three, you get murdered by gnomes. Four, five, and six, <laughs> you're you're successful. <laughs> And then, and then, love it. And then it goes optional rules, and then it has the actual rules in there. But it's like basically saying that everything's optional. Yeah, and it does say uh, one uh, alternative for skills uh, in the game: you can try to best the GM in uh, physical uh, combat. Oh, mate, challenge him to a duel. I yeah. tell you what, that that has sold it to me. Just that. Yeah, well, a, if you've seen the cover, wicked. the uh, the 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 nasty-looking little gnome on the front of that cover is splendid. Well, it's so cool. It's very tongue-in-cheek, and it's uh, based on actual gnome-like folklore as well. Mm. Um, he's a historian, the guy that made it, and uh, yeah, it looks it looks awesome. And as I say, I don't know if you should judge the person. Uh, just have a look at the book. It looks cool. It's cheap, and I, I like the look of it. So yeah. Uh, one final thing, Sean. You were joining a and D five E game what? at work, weren't you? Yeah, I have. I, they still, I'm still waiting on that. Actually, oh, oh. do they only play infrequently? Uh, yeah, they do. Yeah, so like, so whenever everyone can get together, it's like seven different people. It's like when everyone can get together and shit. That's when it's going on. But you're going to be playing a cleric, right? Yeah, I will be. Yeah. All when, right, did, so when was you thinking of telling me about this? Um, oh, another group. Well, anyway, keep us updated, mate. Yeah, but that's it do. for what we've been playing this week. So uh, let's get on to the main subject. Oh yeah, bring it on. So, the thing about post-apocalyptic games is a lot of people, they, they have their, their problems with them, right? Um, I, when I first told people that I was playing Fallout, a lot of people said, uh, oh, post-apocalyptic games, they suck. And when I uh, originally got a American Survival Guide, which is a DCC source book, which changes it into a uh, post-apocalyptic setting, um, a lot of people on Nerds International and a lot of people online uh, immediately commented and said, you lost me at post-apocalyptic. Yeah. And I was thinking, uh, why why is there this conception that, that they, they suck? Like, why do, why do people think uh, that, they, that they're bad games? Yeah, and where does the stigma come from? See, um, I, I also posted on Reddit and I tried to get some, some opinions. So during this bit, we're going to be discussing the reasons why people think they suck and either trying to dispel them mm-hmm. or just discussing them. So I posted on Reddit and it seemed to be half and half. People think they suck, people don't think they suck and we're going to be discussing that and and the common uh, reasons why people think they suck and things like this. So let's get into it, right? First of all, um, yeah, we got some we got some sort of listener questions and things like this. So Eric Lamoureux, he comes in and he says, I love the genre in cinema and literature. I just haven't had much luck running them in tabletop RPGs. It's depressing. The reward of success is survival instead of becoming a hero, glory, or defeating evil. To be clear, 
I don't think they suck. I just don't think they translate well into tabletop RPG experience for me. Well, here's the thing. Uh, he's saying about it doesn't translate well into an RPG. We got all the best elements of RPGs in a wasteland sort of post-apocalyptic RPG like Fallout. You got your freaking monsters. You got survival. You got some cool weapons. You got townships. All of that shit. You townships are my favourite thing. That's what I play it for, you know. But, you know, one of the things that he says here, though, is that the reward um, for success is simply survival. And um, I think that is actually a common trope that people that people say in mm. uh, about this thing. Is like, take, for example, zombie games. When mm-hmm. people talk about post-apocalyptic games, they are often talking about zombie games because that's the, that's the place that people's mind often goes to, right? They're not talking about the the crazy bombasticness of, of Fallout. They're not talking about the uh, amazing creativity of of what Free League are doing with with Gen Lab and things like this. What they tend to talk about is is zombie survival games, mm-hmm. right? And often in that, what uh, people associate with it is running from a zombie, get into a place, then the zombies attack it, run to the next place, trying to get food, all of this kind of stuff. And to be fair, I don't know if those tropes can work in an RPG. Well, they have done, because we, we did Nick's RPG, and uh, that he had a lot of really cool situations in there. Yeah, but here's, here's the difference, though, is that, is that with, the, with the tropes specifically, you do have to find workarounds to make them work. Because mm-hmm. what a lot of people associate with those zombie things is um, doing runs to, get, uh, runs to get food, things like this. And what Eric is saying is that the reward is just survival, right? And if you're going by, let's say, for example, The Walking Dead, okay, and in that, what they're doing is they're striving to find a place where they can survive. See, we when we played, that wasn't our goal. No. Our goal all, was no. to find um, one of the character's parents. And so it wasn't just to find a settlement. All we had to do was find enough to, uh, stuff to survive to get to that place. Yep. Yeah, so, so I, we had sort of an end goal, or at least an end main overarching mission or arc yeah it's just why people think it sucks because of because of zombies and stuff like that because i can understand that because it's one enemy and you've got to be super creative to keep it fresh i would argue that um in especially zombie games it's i think when people focus purely on zombies that's when it can lose its kind of appeal but i think you've just got to think a little bit differently so you've got your go-to zombie threat great that's fine you know you've got the hordes you've got the you know surrounding a building all these kind of situations great but you got to think about what else happens in a world when something happens like this. So for me, I was thinking about, think of the more interhuman connections, the social conflicts between humans, the selfishness, the backstabbing, all this kind of stuff. And I tried to have that an equal part as the threat of the zombies were to try and make it a little bit more than one dimensional. Oh, look, it's more zombies. Let's run. And I think some of the times you guys really enjoyed the more uh, human based conundrums. Because a lot of it was us arguing as a team. And, I think that yeah, when the the reason it can often get boring is because it's like okay, let's go and do another run to get this. Let's mm. go and do another run to get that. I okay. suppose we're probably fortunate in that that hasn't happened to us yet. I mean, we've had maybe situations where there has been a chance to do a run, so to speak, and to like get some supplies in that. But it's so infrequent because 
like say in next game, yeah, there was loads of human interaction. Yeah, there was sort of lo- loads of in quotation marks safe zones, so we could yep. we could sort of be there for a while and not worry about the zombies. Well, you started but, in a containment area, didn't exactly, you? Exactly. Yeah. But you can totally see why it would happen because yeah. when you're sitting down to play a zombie game, if you're a player, there are certain expectations you would have, right? And the expectation is that fighting to survive thing. Yeah. But yeah. is that fun? Yes. And the art- no, but it, no, it can be. Yeah. It can be. But the thing about it is, is that you have to make it interesting. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be interesting if it's the same thing all the time. Yeah, in Walking Dead, for example, after a while in the series, they started glossing over it. At the beginning, that was the main yeah. focus. And then after a while, they just uh, they boiled it down to a 30 second scene where you see them stab a few zombies grab the thing and get out yeah and that's what you should do in your tabletop rpgs if you're playing a zombie game and that is a focus once the players become bored of doing those same missions over and over again well then do it as a, a small cutscene. just go okay everyone give me an agility roll you go in you grab the shit you're out mm-hmm. right now let's get to the actual story yeah because that's not the story anymore the story isn't you're fighting to survive i guess that's, you know, that is exactly yeah, so. yeah exactly what sean did just realising it now, that's exactly what Sean did. There was a couple of moments when it was just like, oh, you know, we're in a situation where we were, uh, we were like basically trying to scavenge for stuff like midway through one of our sort of excursions away from the population we just came from. And Sean just went, all right, cool. Uh, yeah, roll, uh, was it? One of them was noticed. There was a survival involved as well. It was like, yeah, cool, you get this, this and this. As opposed to, you know, a long time sort of trying to find and locate and look up stuff. It was good. Yeah, because because otherwise it's just going to get tedious doing the same thing over and over again. Mm. And I think survival is fun, but it's it, but doing the same thing all the time isn't. Yeah, as long as the campaign doesn't purely revolve, revolve around that one idea of you're just trying to survive. Add spice to it, you know, mix but, it up. But I think, though, that a lot of people uh, don't realise, though, but I sort of like the survival aspect because of stuff like Pathfinder and D&D where you are actually trying to survive mm. and live long, like as long as you can as that character and it's a real achievement in something like Savage Worlds when you do that sort of thing. Well that's yeah, a absolutely. very very good point yeah. because John Henry came in with, a, with a, uh, a message and he says, aren't all fantasy settings post-apocalyptic? In my, in my experience, games set during the apocalypse or far after the apocalypse are fun for players, but games about misery and despair are not. I don't know if I agree with that second sentiment, but what he says there, aren't all fantasy settings post-apocalyptic? I once heard, um, this was during 4th edition, um, but it's a very, very good thing. The designer, well, one of the designers of 4th fourth Ed, um, D&D, he said that um, most fantasy settings are essentially worlds of darkness where the townships represent pockets of light. Now, that same thing applies to most post-apocalyptic yeah. settings. Yep. Isn't that right? Yep. And the fact, the fact of the matter is, is that when you're playing a fantasy setting, it's pretty much the fucking same. Yeah. Yeah, I know that, that there are fucking shops that sell shit for gold pieces, but it's no different to trading your bullets. I mean, well, it's kind of different, but it's no different to trading your caps and things like this. And then as soon as you leave your town, there are wandering monsters. Yep. Same fucking thing as any fantasy setting. Mm-hmm. The only difference is it's had a fresh cone of paint. And the fact of the matter is, is when I, I remember ages and ages ago, let's let's uh, have, take a look at the, the video game Oblivion, for example. When that came out, all they did to make Fallout 3, I'm saying it like it's a t- tiny achievement, <laughs> was um, it, Fallout 3 was essentially a mod for Oblivion. Yeah. And and that, that just goes to show that realistically, the two genres aren't that different in the way that you play. Mm-hmm. They're very, very different in the mood, the setting and, and stuff like that. But the way that you play... 
Yeah, ain't that different? I agree with that. Different flavor, yeah. So once you can get on that little sort of uh, mindset, yeah, it really, really um, sort of makes you think differently about it. I mean, Sean, your Fallout campaign really had it didn't really have like a fantasy feel to it, but the way that we played it was very fantasy, and it it had a very western feel to it as well. It did, yeah, yeah. Well, I had I had it uh, sort sort of set up like a fantasy game. So you had towns started about everywhere and stuff like that, and these towns were living and breathing things they were all their own ecosystems and stuff like that so maybe it wasn't as post-apocalyptic as you know you know most games like the, your traditional zombie game because of that you it had... felt post-apocalyptic though mate yeah. i'm honest with you it felt like it i mean when we were traveling between areas and we were like literally like oh, is this car gonna last we got enough gas we're gonna go in the right way because we're in trouble oh, if we yeah. ain't yeah. and it really felt like you were on the edge They're like you know yeah um, i mean there were points yeah. where we saw a ruined building it started raining with acid and oh then we had God, to get yeah. the robot to lift a bit of concrete above <laughs> oh, us that was you, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah that was awesome yeah. that was brilliant i got a good picture of that yeah man well the penguins have made it and they're going up against the Golden Knights. Colin Kendrick, he comes in with something that I think is quite an, another like very, very good point, right? That's worth discussing. And he says, they don't suck. People just want a particular post-apocalypse that seldom aligns with the other people at the table so the enjoyment fizzes out. Everyone wants to have a Mad Max or a Fallout campaign that will be Zombs super awesome, but nobody can agree what rules or tone is right. Of the limited Mutant Year Zero I've played with Eric, I think they've nailed the genre as far as it can go, and it's a great game. And that's a really good point, because like, let's say, for example, you sit down at the table, you want Mad Max, and you want something crazy, over-the-top, explosions, mm-hmm. cars, and then you get something that's really um, drab and uh, misery and stuff like this. Why that could be a great game to play. Why can't you have both? Like, my Fallout campaign was both. Yeah, I agree, and we're oh, up yeah. for that though because we had we had moments of of um, great sadness, and we had moments of of absolute um, high adventure. But the thing is, is that what if you're a player that doesn't want that? What if you're a player that wants a consistent tone? Mm. And there are a lot of players like that. Then uh, they shouldn't be at the table. <laughs> no, but that's <laughs> not good advice though. What do you think would actually help? Well, actually help players at the table get on board. Why don't you put, give them a little bit of, um, when you're doing the prep or something, give them a little bit of agency, give them a little spin an idea and just be like, I want it to be a bit like this. And then your GM can twist it slightly to appease them. Do you know what I mean? It may not be 100%, but if it's got that like single element that they've just pointed out or that single element that they pointed out at the beginning, then they should be happy. And it's, it's not difficult just to bring, I suppose, just one sort of small thing in. Like you said, if they wanted something Mad Maxi. It's like, sweet, I'll just remember to do that every so often because that Mad Maxi kind of crazy, like, you know, dessert, big chases with crazy cars and all that, that's not, that doesn't happen all the time in Mad Max. No, but that's not a terrible idea because mm. the fact of the matter is, is that even if you have this really horrific, miserable world, um, the car chase could be the reward, it could be the climax of the adventure. Yeah. You know, and then that player, when he finally gets to it, it's going to be like, yeah, it's my bit. Yeah, because yeah, like I th- I'm, I'm, uh, we've so, never really done it, but we've had, we have had sort of some discussions. Like, say we have like pre-game intervals, like we're doing at the minute. Harrison's running some DCC stuff. Um, we did one in the past where you gave us choices, like what, what do you guys want? So surely, maybe that discussion should happen, and just like, what do you want? And I'll try and chuck it all together in the mix. 
Yeah, um, but I then mean, for me but, as a player, I wouldn't go. It has to have this. It has to have this. It has to have this because I don't feel like um, players should completely kind of pioneer the, the the game because I think part of the fun of playing a new game is when the GM drops this mad story on you. You know, yeah, which I like is great. playing through someone else's mind. Yeah, absolutely. No, but what I mean but is a discussion for tone. But what I think is good is that is that yeah, having a discussion, sitting down, and saying what you expect from the game is something a lot of players should do, especially if you don't know each other that well. Yeah, yeah, See, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm confident with this group that what I do when I prepare a game, because I know you guys all well, we're all best mates, mm-hmm. what I'll do is I'll, I'll prepare something that I know you'll like. Yeah. Um, but when you're sitting down to play with a bunch of mates, you when you put down your game, let's say, for example, you're playing online, you're inviting a bunch of players, what you do is you just go, look, I'm going to play this game, it's going to have this type of feel and it's set in this type of world, mm-hmm. right? And, and then and then if players go um, players can do what James says and just go will it have this type of feel yeah. and you can say I don't know but I might try it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. then then that's okay uh, but you can also just say no and yeah, then that player can go and play yeah. a different game if the game's not for the person they can just be like okay it's not fit for me but yeah. there you go but yeah. I think uh, that genuinely is a problem you know mm-hmm. um, but I feel communication I think is the key yeah I think one of the reasons that Fallout succeeded quite as much as it did though is that there was a familiarity with that world though do you reckon uh well because james had never played a fallout game sadly yeah i'd never played it but it was so easy to get involved in it and by you know midway through the first session i i think i fully hooked onto it and yeah, i fully did. understood it and then um then i was like on the very last one we were like, uh, what were we saying? Uh, yeah, James, you were saying, what's the death claw? And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot you hadn't played the Fallout games. <laughs> yeah, because obviously there was easy references for the guys at the table. It was like, oh, death claw's here. And I was just like, everyone's like, oh my God, like, what the fuck, let's run. And then I'm just like, uh, put my hand up. What's that? Yeah. Well, like, oh yeah, shit. Well, my point is, is we all knew what to expect. Mm. That's it. Mm-hmm. We all knew what to expect. And so, so when we got into it, we were enjoying it straight away. Mm. There was oh, no yeah. this, There was none of this like, Okay, first episode, you know, we're getting into it. Second episode, yeah, we're really enjoying it now. It was more like first episode straight away, we're right into it. This is the shit. Like yeah. it, so yeah, yeah, having the knowledge of the actual uh, world beforehand probably helped everyone else at the table. But I suppose it could maybe even carried me along a bit. But I know if we never, if we had never, if no one had ever played it and had no idea, um, I'm pretty sure it would have turned out in a much a similar way. You know, it still would have been good. All mm. I'm saying is, is that is that you had all of us that loved the games, right? Yeah. And then you also had you caught up in the hype train. So it meant that it meant that all of us like could immediately immediately get on with it. And so that that does help. Let what if your mate just let's say for example, Nick, you were playing an online game. Mm-hmm. If if somebody posts, hey, I'm doing a post-apocalyptic zombie game. Versus, hey, I'm going to do a Fallout game. Which one are you going for? Fallout. I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, definitely helps. Um, Conrad Erasmus Neubert comes in. Post-apocalypse is really great for all righteous children of God, then living in the heavenly Zion, and it really sucks for all the sinners because they'll be in hell. 
I should preface this by saying that Conrad uh, is a man of the church. Yep. Um, <laughs> I thought it was just being ironic or something. No, no, he really does. Uh, he's a, a, a either a priest or yeah. a, a something like this. I, he works for uh, the church. Uh, he's a priest or a... Um, I'm pretty sure he's a priest. Yeah, or pastor, pastor, I think, pastor, something yeah. like that. Yeah, parsley. And then he says he's 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 a pastor. He's he's he likes he loves pasta. And he says, <laughs> "Oh, you're talking RPGs." Well, in this case, <laughs> I really want to please my players and always give them resources they want. I suck at post-apoc GMing, so I guess I think it sucks when I run it. The above was a joke, just to be clear. <laughs> of course, I don't believe in stuff like that. We'll all go to heaven, Aww. even the biggest sinners. Doesn't matter if you like two hundred or three hundred pounds. God's angels will lift you right up to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> he says they work out a lot. Really good meat on those wings. <laughs> oh, He's the best pastor. He's, He's brilliant. He's the best, isn't it? So, um, yeah, like, why then? Why then do you think that so many people have? have this like aversion to it man i literally do think it's the whole zombie thing because thinking about it right now right i mean nick's first savage worlds game was a zombie right Mm -hmm. but we didn't we didn't look at it as though oh no zombie blah 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 this is gonna be shit or whatever um i suppose because we were just excited new dm new system because it was first time playing savage worlds as well so it was like yeah and a new brain to to, to play through you know someone else's ideas and that but if you actually think about it right right now like you just uh proposed to nick oh zombie uh, apocalypse or fallout right yeah fallout because Mm. now understanding it i know that the bestiary is is ginormous I know that the uh, the amount of zombies that you had, Nick, were pretty good. But let's face it, they were all just zombies. They were just zombies. There was nothing else out, out for us. Even if there was a dog that was a zombie, it was a zombie. But so. he had different types, and that, yeah. that's what made it fun. He had different types, but, you know, even, even after that... I really that, want to show you the, um, the, the major overarching story, because we didn't even scratch the surface of that. But it was like, it, there was a lot more to the strains of the zombies and things like that. But maybe one day I'll, I'll, I'll let but you know. But then I yeah. guess some, uh, some people, like, going by what we were saying earlier, you know, with the, like, some people not enjoying the misery of it. Because mm. I know that some people sort of feel the same way about Walking Dead and, and a lot of post-apocalyptic things in general um obviously I, as i said i posted this question on reddit as well and uh, reddit user undosis to krakuto says apocalyptic games are like mecca you need to like the genre in order for you to enjoy it and i think I, maybe that's true could uh, be yeah i mean yeah. i was the reason i did a zombie game was straight away do something that you're comfortable with and i absolutely love zombie culture uh, books films and all this kind of stuff so i thought right so it's my, it, it's comfortable for me because i know the i know the genre well and i used it but if i'm hand on heart if i went back i'd do it a post well i'm doing a post-apocalyptic game next not a problem zombies mm, don't know but see, if let's say for example, if you just going back to Fallout, if you weren't a fan of that universe, do you reckon that you could take it at all seriously? If you didn't no. like it, if you're not a fan of anything, right, you're not going to sit there and, and enjoy it. No, that's you know, it's, like, so, it's like attending meetings at work. It's like, right, uh, here's something I really don't give a fuck about, so I'm just going to sit there, uh, put myself on mute, and just browse the internet instead. No, but that's not quite true because uh, put it this way: like there, there are many things that I'm not a fan of that would be great in an RPG. I've said this before, and I'll give the example again: Power Rangers. That would mm-hmm. be great in an RPG. Yeah, second but we know all, that. Second of all, right? Second of all, uh, sci-fi. 
I, 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 I'm, I'm not a big sci-fi guy. I've never really liked it. It's not my cup of tea. But I love playing sci-fi RPGs because when you're immersed in it and you're and you're playing it as an RPG, it's a very, very different experience. Yeah. But this guy's saying like mecha games and apocalyptic games, they don't really work as RPGs if you're not a fan of it specifically. Oh, because I've been of the genre beforehand. The thing is though, I mean, look at Made. I mean, when you picked up Made, I was like, you what? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I was like, I, you know, I was just like, what are we I was talking well about? Excited. But yeah, because you're into that stuff, oh, yeah, and yeah. I'm not. Oh, good point. But like, yeah. playing Maids was one of the best games I've ever played, and <laughs> completely changed my mind and outlook on the game. But if someone was trying to sell it to me on a, as a primer, I'd be like, mm, I don't know if I'll go for this game or I'll go for that game if I had two options. It's, it's but it changed my it changed my view. It was great. Maids, fantastic game. I had such a cracking time. What do you reckon then, Sean? Can you, do you reckon that people can enjoy post-apocalyptic RPGs even if they're not a fan of the genre? Well, I, I find it hard for anyone who likes a proper pure RPG to not enjoy a post-apocalyptic game like Fallout or Mad Max. I totally get the zombie thing, but I think all the elements of a proper good RPG are in a Fallout or Mad Max-style game, Amen. as I said before. Got your survival, you got your cool loot and shit. Smashed like that. up stuff. Come on, it's so yeah, cool. Exactly. And, <laughs> and you've even got things like dungeons. Too. Yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, you know, I've, I've played a couple of uh, a uh, I played a couple of sort of uh, recently, quite recently. It was a couple of over the top sort of uh, improv type games where you know you don't have a lot of agency. It's just all about trying to get comedy out there. And I'm just like, well. Like, give me a proper game, mm. and that's what made me want to do Fallout. Mm. Yeah, yeah. What like what like Fiasco? Um, no, Fiasco is great. Um, no, I'm talking about. Okay, that's getting cut. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping you would ask that. Yeah, I just I wanted to know. I'll just bleep, I'll bleep that. I'll bleep that. No, don't, no, this 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 bit that we cut out. Wait, wait, no, bleep it, man. No, I'll bleep it. I'll bleep it. That's um, funny. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, that's gone. I was going to touch on that uh, going to a post-apocalyptic game and playing through it. Um, is that you? In my opinion, I learnt. Uh, sorry, I feel that it's focused more on the fragility of life, but from a different angle. In your typical fantasy stuff, yeah, there is the fragility of life, but you're kind of almost going about in fantasy campaigns like Billy Big Bollocks, because it's kind of like the norm, because they were like some of the first lot that came out, it was all fantasy, in it? So mm. it's all about that and elves and all this stuff. But then when you think about it in a post-apocalyptic sense, it's just like you're, the fact that you are, say, mortal or whatever type of uh, person you're playing it's like I think it heightened the fragility of your life and therefore made it just instantly more intense and made you play differently Hmm. I I, I don't know if I agree with that though because the way I run DCC for example I mean the way the book tells you to run it in DCC you come from a shit old town right you've barely travelled 20 miles out of your town you don't know shit and the second that you see a monster it's not a monster it's the monster you don't even know what it is an orc is not an orc an orc is you see a green hulking man his muscles ripping and he's got a sharp jagged instrument as he lunges towards you grinning his teeth angrily his eyes bulging it's not uh, and, and it's dangerous it's exactly how I would run a post-apocalyptic campaign except I'm running it in fantasy and 
yet in Fallout, we ran around like Billy Big Bollocks. We thought we were the shit. The second we got those fucking badges, those sheriff's badges. That's because we, we got power crazy. And we, we were, see, we were in quotation marks in the safe zone, weren't we? Because we were in the, the town that we'd been heavily invested in. We knew that inside the walls, at least at that moment in time, and, and had been for a while, we were safe from the outside world and therefore the monsters. So we had the ability to just to do that and roam around. But when we were out in the fucking wastelands, we weren't Billy Billy. Billy big bollock in it at all I don't think no we were we were terrified and running there, for there, our there lives was, there was one moment there was one moment uh, Sean t- tell them about the about the garage and this is this is a very very simple way because what what a lot of people do right what a lot of people do when they run post the pop games is what they do is they, they, they tend to have okay you get attacked by monsters uh, and now that's dangerous you're going to die but Sean he, he constantly had situations come up where where it was dangerous for other reasons now give me the, give me the reason all right, so so these guys came up to a petrol garage or a, or gas station for you Americans, <laughs> uh, which was abandoned uh, many years ago. But it looked like there was still some sort of gas slash petrol there. So they decided to uh, just try and basically open up this uh, security door uh, by bashing it with a gun. That didn't work. They bashed one side off, and then James was like, Right, I'm going to shoot my gun. My gun. Laser rifle. Yeah, he sh- shoots a pulse rifle, which is like basically a massive fireball coming out of a gun. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, the gas station cut starts to catch on fire. <laughs> yeah, the worst thing was is that James got really irate about this. He's like, I don't fucking catch on fire. The, the gas station didn't catch on fire. I wasn't shooting the petrol. Which was like, you just shot a fireball in a gas station, mate. You're not supposed to smoke in a gas station. You've <laughs> yeah. just shot a pulse rifle in one. And oh, meanwhile, was James, was, James wasn't even anywhere near the gas station. Standing by the car. No, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you were sitting, you were I was sitting in, in the, the car, car with my head out the window. Yeah. <laughs> Currently, my character, Shitman Shane, was in there. It was at the door. It was at the door. And I was just like, I, I was just like, well, looks like this is happening. <laughs> I just had to <laughs> leg it out there. Dramatic <laughs> yeah. task. It was fucking horrible. But um, so that's what I, I guess that's a lot of the complaints that people have. I mean, we, we've kind of addressed uh, a lot of the reasons that people hate them um, or, or I guess uh, aren't, aren't too fond of them. But why don't we talk about a, a lot of the reasons why we'll go around in, in, a, in a, a sort of line and we'll, we'll, we'll say why we think that uh, Fallout succeeded. And maybe this can give people some idea um, as to what, what we think uh, are the best things about it. So, so Nick, why don't you start? So for me, it was the. Um, now I say the word survival in a loose term. This isn't the fact that we was trying to live and just live. I think it was more the mindset of being a survivor completely changed the whole ethos of the game. So normally we'd be generally good doing kind of guys on the whole, you know, with a few. Yeah, we usually play heroes. Yeah, exactly. Um, this world, we just absolutely reveled in the fact that it was a bleak dead survivalist world and for that it turned us into a, it, it definitely made a darker game yeah. but a very enjoyable game and I've not played a game that's been quite dark like we, there was a lot of calculated bad shit we did mm-hmm. and it was brilliant and to think in that to, it just it felt so free to think like that and just be like you know yeah we could do that righteous thing or we could just kill him 
make it easier and do you know what I mean and it kind of really pushed that idea and for me it was yeah like I said it was, it was you know, some of the stuff our characters got up to was something that doesn't normally happen so frequently and it was just so liberating to be able to do it it was great and I really enjoyed that so I use the word survival as in a different way as in so much as you just have that mindset that you're a bit brute you're quite ruthless and brutal no, you, you, you do anything to survive I think exactly yeah, yeah. and so yeah. if you wanted a plan to go off you would do anything because mm-hmm. because the last thing you wanted was to be run out of town. You basically yep. had to sacrifice part of your soul, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, totally. To, to, but to because you're a product there. of that world anyway, we all argued that we'd be like that anyway. Yeah. Okay, so next up we'll go to James and then we'll end on Sean because he was the GM. He's the king. He's he the king. king. He's a fucking... Um, king of the wastelands. Exactly. A sandbox king. Right. Um, personally, if you're going uh, mechanic-wise, right, I think Fallout worked so amazingly well because of, firstly, using the system of Savage Worlds, and secondly, the, the, the very slight alterations that they did just fit, perf- fit per- completely perfectly. There's, there's a bunch of new edges and hindrances, and... Of those, it just immediately, at least, you know, for someone who's never played a game, I feel like it gave the feel. There were certain things that happened. There was a like mutation deck. There was a brand new set of um, uh, adventure cards that were made for mm-hmm. it, which, which were completely for the system and Random stuff. encounters. And it was like, yeah, all this... Radiation. Ran- exactly. Mm, right, there, was, yeah. there were so many different nuances, I think, that they did with specifically the system of Savage Worlds that I thought, because we're so well-versed in it, or at least we've played it a lot, it was so easy for us to just completely immerse ourselves in the Fallout world. Yeah, it just—it was a system that we know really well, mm-hmm. and then this just alters it with tiny, tiny tweaks, and then just makes it better. Yeah, it's almost nothing. It was just like a couple of things. I mean, yeah, they had a couple of pages of new this and and got rid of that and knew that, but it was so easy just to you know we didn't have to learn anything new no. i didn't have to learn anything new it was funny man the amount of times like we spent we spent like a ridiculous amount of time getting radiated and it, got, it feeds <laughs> yeah. back into it because your one feeds into nick's really because there was a time where somebody got irradiated right and when you get irradiated in this game this shit that it does it's like okay minus one dice to agility then minus one dice to strength and vigor and then your hair starts falling out and your skin starts dropping off and it's like well i can't live like this so the things that we did to get medication it was ridiculous <laughs> what about when you lot were all poisoned and just throwing yeah. up everywhere <laughs> oh my god yeah we went into the mayor's office to like go and get a new mission and we were like do you know where there's any medication <laughs> medication <laughs> And then you guys, you guys went to the doctor's office and started throwing up in there, and he got fed up that you're puking in there. So it's yeah, like, we're, pu- oh, we're puking all over him, all over the oh, nurse, all over the desk. <laughs> yeah. But again, that, that goes into the whole fragility of life, isn't it? Because of these little nuances and the fact that we had all these extra things that could fuck us up. Then, although at the beginning, perhaps, and in certain circumstances, we were Billy Big Bollocks, right? Uh, it meant that we were so fragile. It was like, oh shit, I need, <laughs> I need to survive. I yeah. need to. Um, I know I came from a good nature and I didn't have this intent but I'm fucking gonna die so whoever this person in my way they need to die or be at least extremely beaten up to, for me to get what I need <laughs> yeah so uh, my favourite thing that, about it was um, that this was essentially it wasn't like a hex map but it was an open map um, and it was uh, that we had complete freedom this was a sandbox game 
best. And yeah, as a result, like I, I've done sandboxes before, but it's it's been with with a with a goal in mind. And what Sean did was let us set our own goals. Yeah. Oh, and so yeah. He, we started off with a mission, as as <laughs> as many sandboxes do, and then after that, it was hey, do whatever the fuck you want. And um, I really appreciate that about the game. Now, this can feed into a problem where players are then just going to go, okay, we should get this amount of stuff to survive. But I think as a group, we had a bit of synergy where it wasn't, we wanted to just do fun stuff. And as yeah. a result, we, we only kind did of, fun stuff. We went to the wacky ends, you know, we're quite fortunate. But I suppose, you know, if you see your players just going, oh, we just need to get shit to survive, then surely it's like a, a trigger. Mission. Yeah, that's a yeah. trigger point. It's been like, oh, okay, well, uh, that's boring. Um, or oh, you're going to get bored. So here you go. Something's just propped up. Yeah, and that that is that's the best way to do it, and that's 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 precisely what Sean did because we there was a point when we got a hotel, realised we were safe, and then prisoners attacked us. Yeah, um, so that's 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 exactly what you got to do. That's that, uh, and and I feel like we had the perfect balance between freedom and events happening. That was where the campaign was was. That's how to do a sandbox campaign. Yeah, and uh, that that was why I think it worked. Um, the amount of player agency that we had was. Re- Ridiculous. It was you know that uh, prison, the prisoners bit. I was supposed to be an entire quest of you finding out why these prisoners are fucking up the town, and, and then I just chucked a mine down blew there, blew them all up, <laughs> dumped a mine on their ass. It turns but, out, like probably after like several weeks of investigating, it would have turned out that Randy had hid these pr- prisoners under in, in the bar. He's oh. the bar guy, and he. Oh. Yeah. yeah, so so it was oh. yeah, Randy the bar guy all along. But I think we did. Um, I think we we completed one Sean quest. And but then probably all of completed about yeah, twenty that, of our own quests. Well, <laughs> well that was the um, sheriff. Uh, once uh, you had to go and clear out the prison. Mm, that was yeah, it. That was yeah, the one, yeah, that one was success. The one mission that we actually did. Yeah, that. we actually fucking we came up top trumps on that we one. We did it really well. well. We smashed it. And we played this game for twelve weeks, so it's not even like you can go. Oh, you know, they run out of steam quite quickly. Rubbish, they do. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, well, we could have carried the fuck on. Easy. Yeah. We we said this could have carried on till next year. Easily. Oh, easy. Yeah. But, um, Sean, so what was your favourite thing about it? Why do you think it worked specifically? Well, I think it worked really because you guys really had a good synergy as you'd said before so your characters were really good and they fit into the world so nicely uh, because in this game yeah the world's kind of bleak but I base it uh, I base the characters they're sort of really wacky versions of real people basically the characters so you got a bit of that going on so you guys really fit into the world really nicely and got familiar with it and it felt like you guys sort of I don't know. It sort of felt like you guys actually lived there. It's hard to describe. Yeah, yeah, really. yeah. So, you, so I, I guess the tip would be if you want to make your game work, maybe you have to try to have characters that fit in. And I guess that would come with the territory of us being a bit familiar with the world. Hmm. So let's say, for example, if you, if for for any any people listening that are thinking of running a post-apocalyptic campaign, uh, describe your world a bit to the players beforehand, and just say if you want to be a character in this world. This is oh you might want to be this or you might want to be that or or, or yeah, these guys exist in the world mm-hmm. there are these guards maybe yeah. you want to be one of those yeah. that did actually happen bit of lore what yeah. I liked about what yeah. I really liked yeah, about Sean's game as well was the fact that we started off uh, we saw both sides of the coin so we started off in our first bunch of characters as vault dwellers that had never actually been out into the wasteland before ever so we went out when we actually finally escaped it was all new to us and then when they sadly passed our second group were lifelong people that lived in the wasteland yeah, we so it was raiders. a completely different yeah. perspective yeah I'll tell you what that was um th- uh, that was probably like the best primer for me specifically and i think for for all of us even though there was familiarity with the 
game of Fallout for everyone else at the table. I think, although it ended up as a TPK on episode three, we were just like, well, that's bollocks. We can't just we leave ain't ended it. it there. Yeah. So no let's way. just do it again and let's do a yeah. completely brand mm-hmm. new set of characters. But it was, a, it was an amazing primer. So lesson learned from that is why not start with a primer? That's mm. a great idea. You mm-hmm. know, what you could do if, I mean, maybe players would hate this, but what you could do is run a one-shot in your world, first of all, where you either intend to kill the characters... Funnel it, mate, yeah. Or, or, yeah, like a funnel in DCC. Yeah. Either intend to kill the characters or have the characters succeed and or maybe get away. Maybe that would suck, but one way you maybe intend to kill the characters in, in a, a hellish way at the yeah. end yeah. so they have a picture of the universe. Mm-hmm. And then start their real characters in game two after and, yeah. then, they, and then they've yep. got a primer yep. maybe that's a that's a it's what, so good what, mm-hmm. not a good idea I like well, actually what I did uh, what I did was similar to the games of Fallout was where when I had you start in the vault uh, when I had you start in the vault I, I showed you all of the elements of the world in that one game so you had your your disagreements with other characters. You we had, got stabbed in the back. Yeah, de- deadly enemies. We had the, radiation, the creatures, tunnel and, snakes, and when you yeah tunnel snakes as well. <laughs> and and when you'd finished, and you'd got outside and you saw how big the world was, you knew what was up. Mm. That that's a because I yeah I do that as well. I tend to try and show people the elements of the game during episode one. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you did it perfectly, man. It was uh, and yeah, I, hopefully. We'll end the segment there, but hopefully those are some good tips for people, and hopefully we've addressed some of the concerns that people have. You know, um, I this I don't think post-apocalyptic campaigns suck. No, I think they're fucking great. I've run a couple, not not quite to the degree of this. Like I did the one in Bubblegum Crisis, um, but the thing about it is, is that and I think they can be great. And so hopefully we've addressed a couple of things here, and uh, oh, you can take these tips away. Um, take it from Sean. He's he's the king, and if you ever get the chance to play in his one of his games, then do yeah, do, do it. so. Yeah, <laughs> but I would Cheers, say as well. Yeah, definitely oh, no, we will kill you. Yeah, we, we will. will kill you. But I definitely like the idea of saying like, don't look at it as a post-apocalyptic game. Look at it as just another fantasy game. Yeah, but with a reskin, like mm-hmm. like Fallout Three and Oblivion. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so this is Song Fight, where we do RPG-related songs and battle them to the death. <laughs> to the death. One of us, at the end of this fight, will be deceased. Well, no, the songs die. Oh. Yeah. So um, this time we did post-apocalyptic RPG-related songs, and Nick and Sean are going to judge them and decide which one's the best. Is that, boys. is that all right with you guys? Fight by yeah, them, mate. You've got a, a, co, a co-judge there now, uh, Nick. Oh, good. I'm so, trying not to sit on the fence this yeah, time. No, yeah, you fucking better not. <laughs> Jesus. All right, so you two decide who goes first. Uh, I would like to hear... No, actually, let the guest... Let's, let's, let's yeah, let Sean, the special guest Sean, decide. Sean, you decide. Uh, well, I only say this because he's nearest to me, James. <laughs> oh, good. So, James, your song, what's it about? What's it called? Um, um, actually, I'm going to make a prediction. Is it either called Post-Apocalypse or Fallout? <laughs> Uh, it's called post-apocalyptic fallout. The chorus is fallout. Yeah, because it's always named after the subject we have to do. You've got creative titles for your songs. Hey, wait, no, no, I've got, I've, I've got it here. This one's called Free. Oh well. Okay. Yeah. I've actually named it. Layla asked me to say, "What's it called?" And then I was like, "Um," and then I named it. So. Nice. All right. Well done. All right. Here you go. Sorry. 
<laughs> I like the ending. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, mate, that very was good. good. That, was yeah, very, that was very, very good. Very black metal. Yeah, yeah boy. Top tune. I got went into that when I was playing it. <laughs> Did you just say it was a top tune, Sean? Yeah. All right, well, I'm in trouble. Okay. So for my song, I decided to um, remix the song by Lil Pump, um, Gucci Gang. <laughs> of course you did. Because of course it's very post-apocalyptic. It does make me think of the end of the world because it's such a terrible song. Uh, and my song is called Fat Man. Hey everybody, this is Three Dog. Ow! Your friendly neighborhood disc jockey. And we got a very special tune for you today. This is Harrison Hunt with Fat Man. You're dealing with the blown up city, motherfucker. You ain't dealing with no sit down shit. Half for these pussies dip a toe in the waist. They're gonna pack they dice and quit, motherfucker. We ain't playing around. This is big boy school where you turn any corner and a D12 rock could have you sandwiched by a goddamn ghoul. And speaking of ghouls, take an exploding dice to the face. Let us see who's a waste and replace. Try to survive in a motherfucking place where every drop of water you drink is laced with radiation, ancient tidal basin, scream with sickening feculence. Ain't nobody in this world gonna trust you, cause there ain't nobody credulous. Fallout's hot, 5e's whack man. Don't like that, you can suck my fat man. How can a wizard cast in play? Can someone please explain that man? How can a level one character have so many HP it's impossible to whack man? Now anyone who tries to defend 5e will end up in a river with some rocks in a sack man. Fallout super, 5e's mutant. This shit's clean and that's a pollutant Bitch I'm Newton, you're just a nuisance This got shooting and that's got commuting Fallout's so hot that it's motherfucking fuming And 5 so weak that it's always losing You 5e bitches need to shut the fuck up And accept there's room for improvement Fallout's a game for the upper class It's a game where your characters will die And I ain't even talking like your D&D pricks They could be killed by any bad guy Oh what, my precious character Barry The barrister who wields a banister Yes him, in fact especially him Cause he sucks but my point is this the difficulty in this game takes the piss but it's a simulation of what it's like to look into the abyss cause this is fallout motherfucker this ain't your nan's game this is the post-apocalypse Boy. That was also really that was good. really good. Yeah, that see, it's already hard. This. That was bad timing. Yeah, I, yeah, I see your, your, see your my pattern. dilemma. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you gotta pick one, guys. Yeah, you gotta pick one, guys. All right, so let's just do it like this. Sean, vote first. Which one are you picking? I don't know. Right. Nick. Well, yeah. A. Uh, no. Okay. A. Get closer <laughs> to the mic. B. Pick one now. Go. I can't. Nick, don't call. Me, don't call me that. <laughs> what did you? James is. I think you could hear. You could just hear that and wouldn't realise that that's a made song for a podcast. You'd just think that that's just a metal song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. that's very good. But that being said, the lyrics on your one that was quite. I thought the lyrics. Uh, I don't know why I went into a rant about D and D five E being rubbish. That's the that's the only downfall of the song, I think, because the the actual the actual melody the the tune and the lyrics are very good apart from the 5e bit but it was very it was very it was a very grimy dark post-apocalyptic feeling sort of thing it, yeah but when james's as well was so i i oh, choose choose now right we've got harrison's more of this podcast i've got to get home uh okay i uh, i'll pick harrison's one <laughs> 
Sean's just telling him to say James. What's wrong with you? No, I said I picked Harrison's first. Oh, you, oh okay. All right, all right, okay. Well, so I'm going to win her again. You'd win. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, James, but I did really like your no, tune as well. It was, it was, it was, both of them were so good. It's hard, yeah. It's hard to pick because of that. They're I just... think this was a strong song fight this time. So well done, James. Good. Shake my hand. No, no, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, it's straight down the middle. That uh, really, that was. They're both cracking. They're. I think you've both outdone yourself. I will say this: no well, offense no. to all those five E players out there, but it's a game for wimps. Fallouts for real men. Wee. 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 Yeah. All right. <laughs> so next up, we got to get a new guest in because we've got a new segment so <laughs> welcome weary traveller come come inside feast your eyes upon the mysteries that is the Emporium Galorium Bazaar come closer closer welcome to the Emporium Galorium Bazaar James Sean I don't like the look of this guy man no, mate, I don't like the look of I that. I don't bite Don't much. like the look of that must-house. Uh, could you stop fondling your bollocks, please? Well, yeah. I can fondle yours quite easily. No, thanks. No? no. Listen. Tea, what? anyone? Wait, no. what, did, what did you say your name was? Jafar Jaguar. And what, what do you want from us, man? Well, you see, I am creating the most greatest RPG book ever made. I travel the whole world looking for the greatest and most mysterious RPG items. And if they are good enough... Then they will go into my book, the Emporium Glorium Bazaar. Oh, I see, I see. Well, oh, cool. you come to the right place, Mr. Jaguar, because we, we, we're, all three of us, we're good at designing items. Sean, you've, you've got, you've got a good one, right? Oh, <laughs> so. Because he, if you, if you don't, if you don't hurry up, he's gonna keep touching that penis. I will touch. <laughs> I will, I will caress even more so than I already am. Um, so basically, this is a fantasy item. It's called the the, mm-hmm. the pellet of rubber making. So mm-hmm. you throw it down uh, on the ground, and it's like a three by three explosion, and and it all goes up in a pink cloud because I like pink and rubber. I like pink and rubber, and uh, everything within a three by three radius, similar to a grenade, turns into rubber for ten minutes. Yeah. My hand is getting closer to the crotch. Right, so Jafar, would you make it out one? Is that going in the book? Tell me, Sean, tell me. So this is a protection device. Uh, you can use it for protection, but before, uh, what I was going to say was that uh, you can... Have you taken drugs? <laughs> no, no drugs. But you can... Would you like some? Uh, life. Um, no, no, you can throw it on the ground um, and you could, like, Use it to jump in through a window. So you can. There's so many applications to this. It's incredible. It is a one-use item. Uh, yes, it's a pellet, and you throw it down. I see. <laughs> I like this rubber pellet. Next, please. Right. So basically, it's it's weirdly similar to Sean's. I'm not entirely sure why, but it's kind of like um, a grenade that when you throw it, it can. It's it doesn't. It affects all people. So it's not just. Uh, it doesn't just attack the foes but in a certain template and you can mod it so it's bigger you know if you buy the more expensive one the gold plated one then it'll do a larger larger burst template but the idea is is when it explodes the uh, characters uh, within the catchment area every single one has to do um, uh, like a a will test if they fail then um, what's going to happen is that their worst nightmare that they can think of um, starts playing on in their mind and therefore leaves them incapacitated for X amount of minutes or rounds and um, 
it also affects sort of their stats as well so they can take a depreciation in some of their stats like agility or strength or something like that and um, if they fail tremendously on their will save then it can affect them permanently so it is like a nightmare within a within a grenade yes like a nightmare bomb tell me what does it look like it looks like a skull it looked like a skull but okay. not next item okay the next item Mr. Jaguar, I've got here is the Smack Tech Anything Detector. Okay, right. this, this this right here, I got it's an artifact for Mutant Crew Classics. Okay, now this it, it, let me just tell you, this device it can detect any material and it can even do it within an adjustable radius. In order to do so, you must have a sample of the material you wish to detect and place it in a chamber above the handle. The chamber is about the size of a human head and is made of bullet resistant glass. The main portion of the device resembles a strange metal proboscis which sniffs out treasures. You will know when you are pointing the machine in the right direction because a speaker on the device will say beep in the voice of the ancient genius who gave birth to it. This sounds great. It sounds strangely familiar for some weird reason. And the cool thing is, is I've made I've made full stats for this. I've got I've, I've made an illustration for it, and uh, I'm going to be putting this. Uh, well, no, I won't put this online for listeners. Wink. Um, I'll be putting it in your books. In uh, the book. Yeah, yeah. So we have a we have an anything detector, a nightmare grenade, and a rubber pellet. What do you think, Mr. Jaguar? Would this go in the book? I like them. I like them all. Brown nose. Fucking brown nose, yeah, you making brown nose and prick. Fucking look, brown nose look, making this shit. I will be completely honest with you. So far, there is nothing in my book. You motherfucker! You've been traveling the whole world. You've only got three items. Well, you see, my 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 journey has just begun. <laughs> All right, let's I got the bus. Look, this guy's a fake. Yeah, These are funny. Beat. Let's beat him up. Oh no! No, please! Right, take that. <laughs> take that. Wait, wait, wait! No, wait! I will not Right. Right. James, look at Daddy. Kick what? him in the face. Kick him in the face. I'll kick you. Ah. Ah. Okay. Ah. Ah. Okay. Ah. 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 So this is Electro Letters, where we read your mail from around the internet. And this week we asked your gaming problems, and regular problems if you wanted, and we'll do our best to solve them, right? Because we're problem solvers, if nothing else. (laughs) Sadly, on the post for this, I included a photo um, with this, and people decided to caption the photo instead. (laughs) So the photo was basically of a girl, like, sort of looking worried, with two girls behind her, putting their hands on her shoulders, like, as if to be comforting her. Yeah, they look like they're trying to console her or something. Yeah, and it had, obviously, Shutterstock written on the front of it. (laughs) And the the reference number for the image where you can find it. So if anyone wants to buy that image, they (laughs) can. But yeah, so Matthew Imaginary Truth Jones comes in, and his caption was, I got my period and a bunch of random girls just started laying hand on me. Do I have the chosen uterus? And then Matt Stark says, oh my god, do you see what Marshall was wearing today? Her shorts were so tight. Um, can you say camel toe? How do I tell her? Just blurt it out or should I be really mean about it? And then Trevor Hurst says, if you don't roll 3d6 in order and keep what you get, you're not playing the right game, Nancy. So no. anyway. Um, <laughs> Thanks for that. Thanks. Um, but anyway, on to the real problems. Disemvowel, okay, Scott W. He comes in, he says, Immersion is an overused term by gamers. How do you explain this? And what's a more concise term? 
don't know why I said it in that voice. <laughs> concise term. There isn't really a more concise term. Immersion is the term, and there isn't a more concise term than that. What does he mean? What's he on about? He thinks it's overused. Like Certain people believe that immersion can't be achieved when dice get in the way, so you can't no. really feel like you're really there. No, yeah, but, but that's what part of what makes it, isn't it? The dice make your game it's like they do because they change they, they put chance into yeah, it yeah they make the probability happen you you know life isn't just fucking A to B they're part of the simulation it's like if you were like right I'll do the thing and then you do the thing all the time it's not going to be immersive because it's just going to be boring isn't it yeah it's just making shit up I mean yeah. the, the, the one, I think we're the wrong people to answer this question we personally are, we are so we can't solve this but, but we can if if, if a, you think immersion is a term overused by gamers uh, involvement getting into itness <laughs> yeah that's it exactly yeah. um, but he does have another one he says gamers aren't as creative as they believe how do you handle this uh, it depends though doesn't it um, obviously, uh, if you actually think of it, like black and white, no, most of the games, say, at your table, that the GMs and that are running, their ideas stolen from all over the place. They're not, uh, they're not new. They're not new at all. All they've done is they've potentially just mashed a few together. But he's, uh, but he's a GM, though. And like, like uh, if you're not a creative GM... And you know, and you've got a GM, and you know they're not being that creative, and they're just coming up with naff ideas. Then maybe tell them, and oh, just yeah. say, "Oh, by the way, here's the tip: steal from elsewhere." But let's say, for example, if you're a GM and you've got a character, a player that's coming up with weak ass fucking characters every week, what's a way to solve that? But if you know you've, they're not as creative as they think, hmm. you just help them. Uh, yeah, but be, how do you help them? That's, you could, well, you could, um, you could go start by finding out what they like. And then be like, oh, well, yeah, I think you'd be good as this or something like that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's that's the way um, I've tended to deal with it in the past. Well, that's um, what lo- lo- like bringing me on to what I was saying earlier. Just one word, communication. That's it. Yeah, and, and the way that you should do that is by saying to those um, less creative people, just say to them like, okay, well, um, I think maybe if their character's a bit one note, you can remind them, okay, you know your character's, um, you know, uh, got this hindrance, or, by the way, if your character's got that background, if they're doing, like, a kind of one-note thing, by the way, remember your character's got that background, and just remind them, and subtly over time, I think they're going to flesh that character out a little bit yeah, more. Or, or as a GM, just add to their character, just be like, okay, so, you know, this person turns up and they recognise you, or whatever, you and know it, what I mean? And yeah. if during the character creation process, you notice them coming up with a weak-ass character that has no real decent backstory, that's not interesting in any way, um, the typical uh, one is, you know, uh, what is your character adventure? Oh, because he wants to get rich. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you just say to them, oh, come on, mate, you know, that's that's not a great character. Why don't you... Oh, I know you've been watching Star Trek recently. What about uh, uh, Data? That's an interesting character. Mm. Why don't you base your character on Data a little bit? You know mm. a lot about him, so why don't you do that? What about the boss you hate at work? Why is he annoying? Right. Could that be interesting, though, because you get so angry about that guy? Base a character yeah, on him. Yeah, you know a lot about him. Yeah, yeah you know, so, so just try and nudge them in the right direction. Mm-hmm. If you know that character's not creative well then don't focus on the ones the the uh, the players that are focus on that guy give him a bit more attention give him a bit more nudging mm, yeah handle 
Carson Carroll comes in. Greetings, Harrison, Nick, and James. Been a listener since around episode three. Gotta say, I love the show. Specifically, I love how it's made me look at systems other than D&D. Me and my mates recently started playing DCC. Not a particularly serious game. We have a halfling named the Lorax who only speaks in rhymes. (laughs) I thank you for broadening my horizons in the hobby, but I have a question for ye. Like I said, my mates and I just started a game of DCC, but one of them wasn't able to make the funnel session. He isn't particularly sure if he should play five or so level zeros or roll up a single level one. The GM is unsure what to do as well, so I figured I should ask you all. Uh, my my answer to this would be um, first of all do whichever you like because um, the the fact of the matter is is if you're going into a level one dungeon uh, about halfway through the character should have enough uh, XP to be able to level one of those up to one. Mm-hmm. Uh, second of all, what you could do is just start a level one. Um, if it were me and I was DMing the game, I or judging the game, I would bring them in as a level one character. The reason being is because a lot of the players at the table are all going to have abilities and things and cool stuff that those level zeros aren't, and they're going to be having a lot more fun than the uh, level zero guys. So yeah. just, yeah, bring them in at level one. He's playing catch-up otherwise, isn't he, really? Yeah, yeah. exactly. He's just playing catch-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I we- agree. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, because we've we've experienced this recently, haven't we, James? Because yeah. we've been playing Ravenlord, and James, we, we thought it made absolute perfect sense, and it does make sense. Um, because Grimm's a level one character because he's an apprentice wizard, but James yep. was only a butler. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I was, yeah, I was a, a beneath, but it was, it was, it made complete sense. He was playing one level zero character. <laughs> no, I was playing just one. <laughs> and it On did mean own. that basically in every encounter he had to stay at the back chucking things. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mild spoiler, but yeah, um, you want to give, uh, but that's for an AP where it's supposed to be cinematic and supposed to make sense. Whereas in an actual table game, you want to give the characters fun stuff to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, I kind of took hold of that question there, no, guys. No, never won it, though. No, 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 it, makes no. Sense. it makes sense. Never won it, and it'd be more enjoyable because, unfortunately, you know, don't penalise him because he missed the funnel. Uh, that is part of... That is fun in itself, but because that bit got missed, then just get him to catch up with the rest of the team and then they start adventuring perfectly. Yep. Conrad Erasmus Neubert comes in. My problem. All other players and GMs always have way more time than I do for gaming. Should I? A... Stop playing Ultimate Frisbee, which I love. <laughs> B, leave my family, who I love. C, give my notice at my job, which I love. D, stop playing RPGs, which I love. E, do something else altogether. I don't accept reasonable answers. <laughs> you know what I think you should do? I think you should make um, a stack of pancakes, yeah, and then uh, put them in the microwave afterwards so they're searing hot and overcooked. And then smush your face in it Whilst reciting the alphabet backwards and picking your nose. Look, man, we need serious answers here. So no, he said he doesn't do... accept reasonable answers. Well, uh, well. So James is right. Well, I'm I'm about to give a logical answer. Burn the family. You got more time. Burn the family. Burn the family, <laughs> which <laughs> he loves. <laughs> right. Burn the family. Leave the job. Fling the frisbee into a volcano. And then you got the fox back over there with the with the chicken and the grain. Well, I think I, I think I think Conrad should start a new RPG that involves playing Ultimate Frisbee with his family, but bring them to work. Also, his RPG lot, and uh, and just tell it. Yeah, and that's it. Do it all in one year. But as a um, as a serious answer, I do think that um, uh, a lot of people out there tend to uh, talk up how much they play RPGs when realistically everyone's probably playing about the same amount. Hmm. Yeah, I mean we're fortunate that we're we're very strict. 
and very stringent, but we we like it so much, and we we're weekly. There's a lot of people I know out there that monthly, are monthly mm. if that. There's a group that I know that you know they've raved them to me about their sessions and that. And I said, like, oh, cool. When are you playing? It's like I don't know yet. Uh, See, like, yeah, I'd, lo- I'd not lose interest. It makes me feel but weird. You would be gutted, wouldn't you, if you yeah. literally didn't know when your next session was? So, say you had an amazing session and you're at a cliffhanger and you're like, "This is so good," and it's like, "Oh yeah, we're going to play in the site six weeks' time." You're like, "Whoa!" Yeah, a lot of dude. people have this problem. I-, I mentioned this earlier about the five E game. It's just so hard to bring all these different people together with all these different lives and shit like and that. And the way it's I, I we're see all it losers, then we all can get together every week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, but the way I see it is, if you can't be involved on a regular basis, you can't be involved full stop. That's mm. my. That's mm-hmm. my th- my yeah. thing I mean yeah as regular as the group can be I suppose so I'll tell you there's nothing are... worse than lo- like say you're away for you know say you're sporadic in your attendance and uh, you know you're away for free sessions you come back it's so hard to f- fit back in again after the story's yeah. moved yeah, so, yeah like, just I mean, on holiday and then something happens yeah, and exactly, just well, like, yeah oh. next week I'm going to miss a session and like it, it happened before when I went on holiday and I missed one of the um, ICRPG games and I was like oh I missed yeah loads. you missed like basically yeah, yeah. So, uh, next one comes in from Joseph Paladin Stewart, which is a great name. I mean, finally, we've got a paladin on board. (laughs) He says, he says, uh, (laughs) get out. (laughs) He says, hey, y'all, I have a guy in my group who always DMs shitty games. (laughs) (laughs) I won't name him, obviously, but they're bargain basement bad. (laughs) He refuses to read rules, he fudges constantly, and his stories stink. Think Saved by the Bell meets (laughs) (laughs) D&D. What? What do we do? Kick the bitch out, kindly tell him he's a jackass, or kindly tell him he's a jackass, I guess he means. Help me out, boys, and keep up the good work. Joe the Paladin. Uh, sack him as a GM. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think, I think right, if you want to be kind about it, then say, hey, why don't we rotate the GMs and yeah. let someone else have a go? Yeah, yeah but then maybe they're a fucking fantastic player and someone else can take the reins, yeah? Mm. Yeah, but then what if you're stuck doing that guy's story for like, uh, even like eight sessions or ten Everyone sessions? get the plague and then suddenly you can't attend but then see, set up your own secret gaming group. And um, oh, wow. also... <laughs> oh. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. So, you always I'll, DMs, I'll always DMs shitty games. <laughs> wow. I mean, I need a little bit more context. Is he the sole GM? Or is it just it when, like when John's did... turn comes around, everyone's like, oh, here we go. I th- well, let's look at it from both angles then. If he's mm-hmm. the sole GM, I, I reckon he probably isn't because otherwise everyone would stop turning up. Yeah, that's right? true, yeah. So um, it might be that it's a rotation thing, but who the fuck knows? I mean, the, the, but if, he is, if it is a rotation thing... Definitely communicate and tell him, dude... We're not enjoying them anymore. You can no, tell what, you do, as a no, what you should do is you shouldn't show we're not enjoying them. What you should do is like you should say the bits that you like. Like, yes. I like this bit. This is sick. That bit was wicked. But, yeah. But yeah, this um, you should look no, at what you're doing here, kind of thing. No, it's what, what, well, that's what we've done in the past, isn't it? Well, big up the good aspects and say you should do more of that. Yeah, as you do comedy saying, so well. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, trying yeah, to, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to uh, uh, make you focus on the good aspects and not all the bad ones. No, but seriously, if they're bad, just literally, you have to talk to them. They're your buddy, right? Mm-hmm. I, I assume, if you're meeting up with them on a regular basis, yeah, you mm-hmm. have to be able to talk to them. Like, you know, this is getting like genuinely serious here, this answer. But yeah, if you if you can't talk to your buddy about it, then uh, yeah, why so are you Yeah, so you friends? have to just be able to say to them, okay, look, these are the bits I like, 
but you have to do less of this and, and just be able to talk to them. And fudging's naughty. That should be oh, brought no, up no. anyway. Fudging, fudging is a big fucking no-no. And yeah, not reading says, the rules as well. That's always fudging. Yeah, and if the guy, if you are, uh, if it's so bad that you're aware that he's not reading the rules, well, that guy, he re- yeah, you have to read the rules. And I'm not going to lie, if he's doing all that and consistently, his heart's not in it, so why is he bothering? I agree. I agree. You, yeah, re- you should. He, you just need to have a word, I guess. I mean, but that's harder than it sounds, oh, isn't it? Of course, it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This yeah. person uh, might uh, even to do a shitty level of GM, and you're still turning up GM every week. I mean, yeah, you, he's still probably so putting effort in at some point. Yeah, yeah my point is, it's probably got, it's got to be hard to tell him, but mm. you've just got to do it. You've mm-hmm. got to pull, pull the, pull the, pull the stops out, and mm-hmm. update us on that one. Uh, yeah, yeah that's please. how it went. Because <laughs> I want to know. Because if you end up having a fight. Well, oh, that's good. One. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good material. You know, um, James did the whole genie thing, and you know he heard about it, and he's still hearing about it. <laughs> I don't think he's going to do that again. <laughs> well, they don't know, but you know, next next campaign, next, might, yeah. it might just be um, Revenge of the Genie. Yeah, <laughs> Revenge <laughs> of the Genie. Next campaign is going to be all about genies. Yeah, isn't it? Interesting. The Penguins have outflanked the Golden Knight. They're uh, pushing in with a rear attack. He is now. Caught both sides, classic pincer manoeuvre, just the way the World War II soldiers were done in. Uh, yeah, we got one more serious one, and then we got a couple of stupid ones. <laughs> yes. yes. But uh, Stephen van der Vieri, he says, I have a scheduled game with my group on the books for every two weeks, but often because of my own work schedule, I have to cancel sessions. Do you twats have any recommendations on how to keep the group engaged in the game during these extended breaks. Oh, yes. Yes. We've said it before, haven't we? Yep. There's a little bit of in-between sort of discussions and an open forum kind of area, something online that people can dip in and out of, share their views, share their stories. Make a group. Yeah. Put events in there for every game session and then below them events, comment the hell away. If there's something cool bubbling away, you've got some plans going, have them inputs, have them out-of-game inputs, get conversations going and it gets people G'd up for the next session. Yeah, and additionally, um, invite players to share... um, uh, like short stories mm-hmm. from their characters' past as well, and then that those players will will get enjoy um, sort of writing about their characters, yep. and uh, also do a weekly planning thread. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something we started to do uh, right on the last <laughs> session of Fallout <laughs> yeah. when yeah. it ended. Yeah, yeah. How are we going to plan this end? We weren't to know, but yeah, we was planning our campaign trail, which obviously ended really. Lo- lo- like but loads short, of people but... say that groups collapse for this very reason. I mean, Luke Thill. Uh, commented on this saying I had one just completely collapse because of similar reasons and it's it's a common thing uh, then I accidentally commented below that with a gif that I didn't mean to, to, to post so uh, oh I saw that yeah. the shock one oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I anime shock gif yeah that was an accident <laughs> whoops should have deleted it you fool <laughs> nah it's um, if right if it is it is sort of consistent um, then try a different schedule um, try and go online have yeah try and say do it in a different uh, place yeah online is a really good one that's what me Harrison and Sean did before this our RPG group was was birthed us mm. three were just uh, online even though we live uh, fairly close yeah but then it, it just... could be that his job is so inconsistent you know yeah. and, uh, if, if that if, if that were me then I'd say somebody else should probably GM yeah, yeah. Either that or if they're really, really bent on um, keeping up with your game specifically, then perhaps why don't you just be like, okay, so in the between times, 
um, is there anyone who has something available they could do, like a, a one-shot? Very so true, it, yeah. It, so if he's going to miss one or two weeks and he knows he's going to miss one or two weeks, if you tell everybody in advance and you've got a couple of other capable GMs in the group, they can step up, push a one-shot out, everyone's still having fun, and then you go back to your story once the guy's waiting. Right yeah, why don't you even get them to do a one-shot in the same universe with mm-hmm, some big characters? Mm-hmm. Side quest, side story, all this yeah. kind of stuff. And with the stories as well, with backstories and stuff, as a GM, that is rich, rich, rich um, stuff that you can nick and put into the game when your players give you stuff. So when they give you more about their character, use it. Yeah. So uh, uh, sadly, that is the last serious one that we got. Um, we've got a couple of idiots coming in at the end here. We got Saga the Barbarian. Yeah, come on. <laughs> he, he says, "Dear twats, I'm a 20th level barbarian, but I other to fight with a dagger rather than a gigantic great axe. Does this mean I have low sperm count?" Yes. Re- regards Saga the Barbarian. <laughs> yes, it does. Well, no, it's because you can't. You're dyslexic as well. Well, no, because he's he's uh, he's rocking a small knife. Now, he could be rocking a big hammer and compensating for shit, but this means that he's probably got a big dick because he doesn't need to... <laughs> he, just, he doesn't need Why to wave... Why use that? He doesn't, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that out. If we're talking yeah. Savage Worlds, take the trademark weapon edge. You've obviously got high strength and then take the martial artist edge, right? You're going to add a D4 to unarmed attacks, use your big dick, and then you've got your, you've got like D10 in strength Would that be a D4. medium improvised weapon? <laughs> yeah, it depends how big it is. It might not be an unarmed attack. So you've got strength D10 plus a D4 every attack with your penis. I mean, and then, and then you've got... Fate, winning. Bruce. Absolutely winning. Yeah, yeah, then, Kata, so, you broke your banjo string. Yeah, then trademark weapon, you're adding extra damage on top of that. <laughs> yeah. You also have to do like an agility trick to jump up and then smack them in the face with it. Like yeah. a fleshy yeah, windmill. Yeah, and then they go minus two to parry for <laughs> the well, next round. You can do another agility trick to, uh, you know, put your sputum of your low sperm count in their face <laughs> oh, this wow. has got low right next one speaking of genitals Terry Hansen comes in he says gangrene of the genitals is there a topical ointment for that should I just stick with a suppository damn I mean should my friend I meant my friend <laughs> <laughs> what his friend the suppository yeah. is, is there a topical mm. ointment for gangrene of the genitals anyone know um, there's a cream I haven't had gangrene, but... Sean! <laughs> Sean! What the hell, man? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> oh, we learned some truths on this podcast. There is a cream. There is a cream uh, tried and tested. We right. have cream. <laughs> this, we. Is, this is the worst show I've ever been a part of. <laughs> so, general questions. We got one, and it was from Conrad Erasmus Neubert, great friend of the show. He says, my general question, can you, the TTT cast, and of course, Sean, play or describe or run really mundane things in a thrilling way for role-playing? Uh, I don't want to just, just do that now, because it will make us sound like ruddy idiots, but... Well, why don't but, we try it? Why don't we, why don't we give it a go? All right, we'll give it a go. Right. Haven't we what spoken we about? But it's funny actually because we've chatted about this before, and we said how funny would it be to have a really do a really mundane office RPG? But obviously, the mundane stuff would become fun because they're so mundane. No, but I was going to talk about made because made made RPG right is at its absolute best when you have to roll for the mundane things yeah, because you fail true. them so often. Yeah. Then you have to take levels of stress and then you have to do your stress explosion which can be like running out of the mansion crying and all of this stuff. And do you remember there was that point where James was trying to uh, go into the room, his character just holding a tray of tea and, and uh, I, said, <laughs> yeah. I was like, right, give me an athletics roll and then he just he, he cunted all the tea onto the ground. <laughs> And then, uh, as he did so, a, cu- a cupboard burst open, and all the imp 
imps that you guys were trying to hide <laughs> oh, from yeah. like the the uh, guys that you were trying to entertain just burst out and you guys were trying to and it was like whenever you were rolling for the mundane shit that was when it was at its best yeah, and just before true. that we'd done a car chase and it wasn't nearly as fun as when mm-hmm. you were just rolling for just making a cup of tea yeah, <laughs> yeah. but I suppose that's a system though I think what he's asking is this can we literally just sit here and then like Nick just said run through an office day of life no, yeah. alright no let's do it then so right Nick describe making a cup of tea in the most dramatic way you can I gazed upon the refrigerator as it slowly hummed like a morning buzzing bee <laughs> as I opened the sarcophagus I looked I located the liquid gold that is milk I placed the milk on the side longingly waiting for the cup uh, as as I turned on the kettle and it whistled. It whistled so furiously when it was done and that was the time I knew that the water was ready. But was there something I forgot? I was making tea but the long-awaited cup had not yet arrived and the bag, the tea bag, had not yet met the cup at the, at the bottom. And so I reached my hand trembling. Did could I really achieve such a task as to grab a bag from within the sconce on the side? And so I reached my hand inside, managing to stay my nerves. And as I did so, I grabbed the herb-filled bag from within its chamber. As I was doing so, some heathen put the milk in before the water. But alas, it was all for nothing, as I had no sugar. <laughs> and they, um, I don't know if that was if that was more of like a dramatic <laughs> reading of yeah, tea, a, a theatrical. <laughs> Fuck it, no, there you go. We have no experience tribute to tea. Love tea. <laughs> so that's it for the questions. This guy's. This, this guy. This guy. This guy. This guy. This guy. Shut up, everyone. That's it for questions. This guy's time. So let's move on to the award-winning outro. Now it's time for the final battle. Magic missile. So that that does it for this time, guys. That's another show. We certainly did a show. Um, thanks for the show. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Sean. Yeah, yeah no fun. problem. No problem, man. Uh, yeah. So if you you want to plug something. Yeah, yeah. So um, I do a gaming retrospective podcast where I take you th- on a wild journey through through games and all that so yeah um, video games we should specify sorry yeah uh, uh, shall I do that again yeah stop no no don't do it again I've got I've got places to be Sean no alright yeah so I do a podcast called Two Crew Dudes with a K and it's a gaming retrospective podcast a video game retrospective podcast where I'll take you on a journey you did do it again why are you doing it I said don't do it again I'm going to stab you Alright, so it's a gaming retrospective podcast. The guy, guy he does he talks about old video games. It's really good. Check it out. You recently did a panel in uh, Eurogamer Expo in Birmingham where you talked to a big audience of people. That's on there now, that's your latest episode, isn't uh, it? Yeah, yeah, that's my latest episode. But I've also done subjects like No Man's Sky, the whole story of that. Uh, I've also done Manic Minor and also the Flintstones. And the as history well. of the Engage, which is very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. So check that out, people, if you can. And if you want to get in contact with us, uh, you can email 
email us on tabletoptwants at gmail.com. That's a Freudian slip if ever I've ever had one. Jesus, I don't know where that came from. Didn't even register. .com. Check us out on pornhub.com. Forward slash tabletop tits. Oh, my goodness. Or go over to Facebook at Facebook forward slash tabletop t or twitter which is at tabletop twats yeah at least let's not forget go over to the google plus bit and your nerdist national community and if you like what we do sling us a buck patreon.com forward slash tabletop twats yes and of course this show wouldn't be a show if i didn't leave you leave you with something to think about over the week you know because life is boring when you haven't got podcasts to listen to and so i'm gonna give you you know something to think about you know some something to ponder while you wait for the next episode and uh, here, here it is is a broken can opener a can't opener <laughs> um. <laughs> and of course um uh, the other day right i was um wandering outside and i realized um that north korea had dropped the nukes guys they'd done it they went and gone did it and oh, uh, yeah i realized that my home had been decimated i've been sleeping there for weeks but i didn't even realize and as i was scrambling around there in the rubble i found an old license plate and i i sort of you know scratched all the dirt off and got all the dirt off of it and i read the letters on there and you'll never guess what it said what chicken, chicken m- m- bosh also listen to my podcast I have always believed that such strange inaccessible worlds exist at our very elbows and now I believe I have found a way to break down the barriers I am not joking